Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of In the Trenches Sports. Sean Ludden joined alongside by the man, the myth, the legend, the coach, Chance Clemens. Coach, I mean, we just got done watching a great Cheez-Its Bowl. Um, I, let's, let's just start off there. I mean, we were going to go in straight into the coin toss and talk about Kansas and Arkansas being maybe one of the best bowl games this year, but... I'm now after watching that, I think Oklahoma and Florida State might be in contention for that too. No, it's absolutely true. Uh, two games that were both kind of a little surprising on how well they uh, performed and how they ended. Um, you know, Kansas, Arkansas, neither team really had a great defense um, in this in their bowl game. And, same thing, Oklahoma and Florida State. Uh, Oklahoma, we know, hasn't had a really good defense. Um, but Florida State just made a couple mistakes that let OU stay in the game. Um, so both really good bowl games. And, yeah, like you said, probably both of them are arguably, arguably uh, the best bowl game so far. Yeah. I mean – you look at the way that Kansas Arkansas game started. I mean, at one point, I think Arkansas was up like thirty-one to seven, and you're just like, "Oh, hey, Kansas is back to the uh, Kansas of old, to where they can't do anything." And how the hell did they even make a bowl game? And then next thing you know, Jalen Daniels um, becomes the first ever player in FBF history for over five hundred uh, passing yards. I think five touchdowns and one rushing touchdown as well. That's crazy. First player in FBF history in a bowl game to do that. That is absolutely outrageous. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just seeing that be able to go into triple overtime as well. And you look at the way KU lost that game too. You got to – it's almost heartbreaking because if he would have, as he's running, you know, to – you know, make that throw at the very last second. If he would have just saw across the field, he had a wide open receiver right in the middle of the end zone. And that could have tied that ball game up and sent it into a fourth overtime. But yeah, I mean, two great games, um, two days in a row. And, you know, a lot of people now are looking forward to uh, this Texas Washington game that's uh, happening now after Oklahoma, Florida state. So we've got, we've got some really good bowl games on tap uh, here going into the New Year's weekend. No, we do. And, you know, we complain about there's too many bowl games and this and that. And we always have a couple surprises of teams or games that are a lot better than we anticipated. Um, you know, and some of these, some of these surprise games, I think – I think we've seen this more and more the last couple of years where coaches kind of go into the mindset with the bowl game of let's just go for it. You know, just let's do whatever. Let's do anything that's a little different than what we're normally doing just to just try something. We have nothing to lose type of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, especially those teams that are kind of six and six, um, you know, going to – into tonight, Oklahoma really didn't have anything to really play for. Um, it was kind of a, you know, if you won, that's great. If you lost, it was 
kind of expected because um, I don't think Florida State had anybody sitting out. Uh, Oklahoma had a good majority, a good number of guys sitting out. They had two freshmen um, in the backfield tonight. Uh, four of their starting offensive linemen were sitting out. Um, you know, so the key issues did, you know, kind of catch up to them, especially as the game went on. Uh, seven sacks allowed for Oklahoma. Um, you know, so, but what helped them kind of stay in it is maybe doing a little more, um, just a little different play calling. I love that Florida State was aggressive and just went forward on fourth down a couple times, uh, went for the early two-point conversion that kind of caught Oklahoma off guard and only put them down by three at one point. And so that kind of helped them stay in the game and keep it closer um, than anticipated. And so same thing with Kansas and Arkansas. You're down 31-7. to seven. I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Just You're just doing anything right now to just get some momentum going. And so Kansas came up with a couple of creative plays to help keep them in the game, keep it going. Um, and then you get, you know, you pull the upset to go into overtime. If you lose, then you lose. You, yeah. you already made the comeback to get it to overtime when you're down that much. So. Well, and kudos to Kansas. First of all, for even being able to recover an onside kick. I mean, you do not see that at all very more um, in these days of football. No, you don't. It's very rare that you see it at any level, really. I mean, I think the only level that it is, you know, somewhat successful would probably be middle school football because you got middle school kids just not paying attention half the time. Yeah, that is true. And I say that with firsthand experience. A lot of people pulling the Sean Payton on you there, Coach. Yeah, and then at one point we just say, screw it, let's go ahead and onside it because even if we kick it deep, half the time we can't kick it deep or we can't tackle, so the kid ends up at the 50-yard line anyway, so why not just give it to him there anyways? Makes absolute sense. Oh, yeah, um just looking at the slate of bowl games we've got coming up this weekend, though, um, you know, tonight we wrap out. We just finished off the Cheez-It Bowl, uh, the Alamo Bowl. That's wrapping up tonight as well. Um, Friday, we have a handful of games. My goodness, this is going to be a three-part tweet coming out on Friday um, to get all these bowl games in on the predictions. We've got the Duke's Mayo Bowl, uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, and then the Capital One Orange Bowl featuring the Tennessee Orange Volunteers and the Clemson Orange Tigers. So we're just going to get a whole lot of orange. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, so. You know, orange um, is not my favorite color, so. (laughs) Uh, it's it's my wife's favorite color, so I'm sure she's uh, disappointed she's got to miss that game with having to work. But, uh, yeah, so what is that? 
five games on the docket for tomorrow. The New Year's Eve on Saturday, you know, obviously we have the Music City Bowl, but then we have the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and K-State. That I am looking forward to. Um, that's an 11 o'clock kickoff, though, Coach. I know we've talked about that, you know, when we first started talking about the bowl games, but having the Sugar Bowl at 11 a.m. just does not feel right. No, it doesn't. That That's just – that's always a game that's played at night. So exactly. just to throw it off at that time is just unsettling, to say the least. It is. And then you've got – uh, the college football playoff um, semifinal game one, the VRBO Fiesta Bowl um, between TCU and Michigan. We'll get into that uh, bowl game here shortly. And then after that, uh, you'll have the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which is a home game for Georgia, um, Ohio State and Georgia, that one in Atlanta. Um, so you know that whole entire stadium is going to be uh, nothing but a dog pound. No, that's going to be a – that's going to be – these are two really good matchups, and we'll get more into it later. Yeah. Um, I there's been a couple – like a handful of games this year that have kind of been almost like the Florida State-Oklahoma where it's almost been a home game for a team because it's in-state. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean – Which doesn't happen a lot. I think it happens a handful of times every year, but it's one of those – it's just weird. Um, now Southwest probably didn't help the situation with so many flight cancellations for any oh, bowl, but talk about terrible timing on that. Right. So. Oh. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so we've got, we've got, got a, a good, good. Good um, slate of games up this weekend for college football. Um, so really looking looking forward to that, um, seeing what will happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's let's get into it. These college football semifinal games, Coach. TCU and Michigan. Um, number three and number two here. Um, does TCU even stand a chance against Michigan or – is Michigan just the better team and going out last year? Well, I think they stand a chance. Um, we've seen Texas, uh, you know, Texas Christian or TCU, whatever you want to call them. We've seen them put up high, high scores. Um, we've seen them come from behind and win uh, last second field goals, whatever it is. Uh, Michigan has the better defense. They're just a more physical, grind it out, run the ball type team. Um, so we can see that that could, you know, probably take an effect on TCU because really right now there's no one in the Big 12. Maybe Kansas State is the only team that really just pounds it out like that. Um, but Michigan can throw it and open it up as well. Um, but I think that's where you're going to see the difference is how – what's the time of possession? You know, is Michigan taking long drives, even if they don't score? Mm-hmm. If you get a team on a good five-minute drive and then you get three points or, you know, it feels like a defensive victory because it's like, hey, we were on the field for five minutes and we only gave up three points. That's good. But on the other hand, it's 
the offense is feeling good. Hey, we're just pounding it out. We're wearing them down. And when that fourth quarter comes, we're going to break a big run. We're, we're going to have a big drive and put a, put the nail in the coffin type play. Um, so I'm interested to see how TCU is going to respond to that points per game. They're pretty similar. Uh, 40.3 for TCU, 40.1 for Michigan um, points allowed per game. TCU 25, Michigan 13.4. So there's your uh, defensive difference right there. Uh, like we said, we know TCU can put up yardage. Um, but surprisingly enough, Michigan total yards, they average is 453. So it's only 20 less than TCU. Um, but like we said, they're more of a run team. And so 210 passing, 243 rushing. TCU's 273 to compared to 200 rushing. So just the difference in dynamic. I think if TCU hits um, hits fast and scores quick, that's where they're going to have a shot in this game. If, if they can get the ball first, score quick, 7-0. Michigan comes out, a little stalemate of just, you know, maybe a first down and then they go three and out after that. And then TC gets the ball back, and maybe you put up a three-minute drive and you score again. And now you're five, six, seven minutes into the game. It's fourteen nothing TCU. That's where it can maybe put pressure on Michigan to either one, hey, we got to start spreading it out. We got we got to throw it a little bit and try to get down the field. Or do they stay true to themselves and let's just run the ball, let's wear this defense out, and then let our defense capitalize on the mistakes so to answer your question yes i think tcu has a shot um but it's really going to come down to can their defense make stops when they need to make stops no i completely agree um you know we've seen like you said we've seen this tcu squad battle out all year i think what's truly going to be their catalyst if they want to stay into this ball game is is their leader, Max Dugan. This kid has put himself through the ringer time after time after time. He's fought for that starting position after not even, you know, having a chance, you know, through offseason and everything else. Um, the way he put his body out in line in that Big 12 championship game against K-State um, to then finish second in the Heisman voting. Uh, you know, th- this kid, he, he's – He's a blue-collar kid, um, not afraid to put his body on the line, and he's going to be the true catalyst for TCU. Um, but then you, that Michigan defense is a very strong, stout defense, and so it, it's going to make for a tough matchup. But if Dugan plays well and shows that he is a true leader, which he has done all season long, Look for TCU to contend in this ball game and potentially upset Michigan, um, but I, I think it truly does come down to Dugan. No, it does. It it really does. And when we compare quarterbacks, Duggan's got a thousand more yards passing. Um, his touchdown interception is thirty to four, and Michigan is twenty to three. That's, I mean, that's where you see the difference with the passing game. Yeah. Um, now, which, Michigan. 
Michigan's definitely the better run team, though. Um, they are. And, and Michigan, though, uh, does also they, – they at times use a two-quarterback system. That's true. They, they have used a two-QB uh, two system. Um, you know, because their leading rusher only has 120 yards more rushing than TCU's uh, starting running back. Um, and only has one touchdown more at 18 than Miller does for TCU at 17. But I think Michigan also uses more backs than TCU. Um, it, it's almost kind of like um, the Los Angeles Chargers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, with how they – you go back to the Chargers of, you know, the last couple of years where they had Eckler and Gordon in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gordon, um, you know, Eckler is the number one guy. He gets a lot of the touches, um, but they, they, you know, they're more 55, 45 on pass run. And so he doesn't get the ball as much, but when he does, he also catches. And so it makes him more dynamic as well. Um, and then Michigan is more of the two-back system where they probably have a, you know, they're probably opposite of 55 run, 45 pass. And then with their two backs, they're probably, you know, 60-40 dominant run with their lead guy. Um, so if you add those stats in, they're probably larger favorites in the rushing game as well, as we said, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting matchup. It's, it kind of reminds me of um, Oklahoma versus Georgia uh, several years ago where they went to overtime and uh, Nick Chubb just blasted through Oklahoma's defense in, in overtime to score a touchdown. You know, OU was in that game fighting back and forth, and it just came down to their defense couldn't get a stop. Yeah. You know, Baker and C.D. Lamb um, were making plays. Robbie Anderson was the running back. That was, what, 2017? I want to say so, yeah. Because uh, Georgia went on to play Bama in the national title and lost that game. Correct. So that's what this guy, this game kind of represents to me is just you've got an explosive offense with TCU that can stay with anyone offensively and their defense can win the play. Yes. And if they, but the problem is if they only play 95% good enough, there's that 5% that can cost you the game. And so that that's kind of what I can see here. I can see a dogfight to overtime, or we could just see Clemson and Clemson and OU or Notre Dame and Alabama and they just get road dogged to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's going to that secondary for Michigan is you want to have to be careful um, because who's that, the standout receiver, it's what Washington. He's like six, five, six, six, or six, seven, or something like that. Big old kid. Uh, uh, I think it's Johnston. Johnston something. Six, I've, four. 
yeah, he he he's a big kid though. Um, you know, but you know he's he's going to be one that Michigan's got to be careful with because you go throughout every game of the season so far for TCU, he's making big plays and he's also putting up a ton of yards in the receiving game too. Absolutely. And that big frame makes him such a red zone target. It does. Um, he leads TCU with 900, 900 yards, five touchdowns, 53 catches. Um, I wish I could break down his red zone targets, but I don't see those. Um, but, yeah, just just to have a wide receiver like that, 6'4", 215, He's also a junior, so he has the capability of coming back. I'm assuming he's coming back. Um, but that just – not a lot of schools have that in a wide no. receiver, someone that big um, that's that physical. Those are those are guys that you see come through every five years or so. Yeah, they're they're not yeah. that few and far between, or no, they are few and far between. I should say. Yeah. So, all right, coach. So let's go ahead and do our prediction for this game um, before we get into Ohio State and Georgia. Um, so let's hear it. Who do you have moving on to the national championship game out of TCU and Michigan? So out of this game. I really, I really want to pull the upset and go for TCU just to, just to do it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Michigan wears down TCU, and so I'm going to go Michigan 31, TCU 28. All right. No, I think this is a game that is close all the way until about six minutes left in that fourth quarter. And this is where then Michigan is able to force a couple turnovers, force a couple punts, and get some quick scores and opens up this ball game. Um, but I think TCU hangs into it all the way until very late in the fourth quarter. Um, and then Michigan just finishes them off 47-31. Michigan advances to the title. No, I, I think we could all see that happen for sure. So it's just the way, you know, schools have played Michigan all year long. Um, you know, you go back to the game against Purdue. It was kind of that way. Um, you know, Purdue was in it, and then you get down late into the ball game, and that's when Michigan started opening up as well. Um, so it's just kind of been their MO and the way Harbaugh and that team likes to play. But it will definitely set us up for a great ball game. Looking forward to it um, Saturday afternoon. And then sets us up for a great game Saturday night um, going into Ohio State and Georgia in that Peach Bowl. Yeah, this game is – oh, man. This, this is a game that I have a really strong feeling – that it's going to be the surprise game of the year. Um, I think it could it go does... either one of two ways. I think it could be. Okay. A, I think it could be a close, hard-fought game, or it's going to be 
Georgia absolutely blowing out Ohio State. And I, I think the way the reason why I say this is you kind of look at Ohio State versus Georgia, like the Tennessee Georgia matchup earlier this season. You have two powerhouses, two great offenses, two really good defenses as well. And that's what we were going to expect and get into with Tennessee and, and Georgia. And then Georgia just was like, nope, this is our house. This is our game. We're going to show everyone that why we're the defending national champions and why we belong at the top spot. And I have a feeling that's what's probably going to happen this game as well. But it, it can go either one of two ways. It, it can either be the blowout where Georgia does that or Ohio State decides to show up as well. And Because it's been five weeks since they lost to Michigan. And they put on an embarrassing game there against Michigan. So they're, they're looking to come out and prove that they belong in this college football playoff. Absolutely. And I, I have a feeling – now it does hurt that Ohio State's receiver is opting out. Um, I can't remember his name. Is it Harrison? No. Um, no, that's Harrison Jr. He's not stepping out. It's, it's – uh, and DK Smith, or and is it's the guy with the hyphenated name? Yeah, uh, Jackson Smith and DK. Yeah, six one two hundred from Rockwell, Texas. Yeah, I believe he's the one that's opting out. Jack Jackson Jackson Smith and and Jiba, in Jiba. Yeah. Um. So that might have a little effect on it. Um, we'll see. But I I just have this feeling that Ohio State is kind of the – they're just that team that hasn't woken up. And I, they, the Michigan game was the best thing for them because it kind of helped them wake up and just go, oh, okay we're we can't just coast anymore yeah and if you look at their last five games or the last four games after michigan so they beat maryland by 13 43 30 beat indiana 56 14 beat northwestern 21 7 so that game was a little questionable didn't look great beat penn state 44 31 so I mean, a couple close games there, um, but I mean, three of them are two possession games, right? Georgia really doesn't look. They're they're either kind of like LSU a couple of years ago with Burrow, where they were never challenged, they were never tested, and when they were, it just it didn't matter because they were the better team on the field. They were the best team that year, probably one of the best teams ever in college football history. Uh And that's kind of how I see Ohio state right now, or that's kind of how I see Georgia is either they're the best team. They just haven't been challenged and they look, they look so good that you almost don't believe it. Cause it's like, well, they just haven't been tested. And that's, that's kind of how we felt about LSU. They're so good that they don't look that good. 
or they look so good that you can't believe that they're that good. And that something like the shoe is going to drop eventually. Ohio State, I feel like, is the shoe dropping. CG, CJ Stroud, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. I truly believe that he is better than um, Young from Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think he's better than Caleb Williams. I I, th- I think he's better overall than Caleb Williams. Caleb is probably a better pure athlete, just good arm, good legs, whatever. Stroud, I think, is just the better pure quarterback. And people are like, there's not a difference. Well, there is. My, I mean, compare Michael Vick and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is the better quarterback Michael Vick is the better pure athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, so now kudos to Bennett. He has the yards. He has um, just under 100 yards more than Stroud this year, but 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. Stroud has 37 touchdowns and six interceptions. I like the 17 touchdown difference to the same amount of interceptions. Like there's that's the difference maker. That's that's the star athlete versus the quarterback manager, you know. Mm-hmm. Um now as we now okay, points per game not there's a little difference. It's not as close as Michigan TCU. Um Sorry, my screen went out for a second. So points per game, Ohio State, 44.5. Georgia, five less, 39.2. Points allowed per game, Ohio State gives up seven more at 19.3, Georgia 12.8. Total yards, 0.8 difference, 492.7, 491.9. Now, defensive yards allowed, okay? Georgia allows 11 yards less than Ohio State with 292. But when you look at their passing yards allowed, they give up 215 compared to 184. What is Georgia really good at? Running the ball and play-action pass. What is Ohio State good at? Spreading the ball and throwing the ball. They're good at running the ball. But they have become one of the better passing teams in the last five years. And I think that's where Georgia, we're going to see if Georgia can handle a true five-star offense with the talent that they have at wide receivers, the quarterback talent. Tennessee's one thing. You had a really good quarterback. You've had, you had some talent, but you had guys that had never been there. the biggest game they had played was probably the state championship in high school at that time. Ohio state. Most of the kids on the roster have probably already been in a college playoff game. So the stage isn't too big for them. So I think that's where the true test comes from. Georgia is Ohio state able to withstand the running game 
make, take advantage of the mistakes on the passes, take mistakes on the holding calls, back them up second along, third and long, get a sack, whatever, and pull this game out. And I think they do. I think Ohio State wins this game. So what's your score then? I think it's still going to be close, but I'm going to go Ohio State 35, Georgia 31. All right, I like it. I, I, I just like- – I think Georgia – Georgia can be explosive at times, but I feel like they're too I, – I feel like they're just that team. If they get down, can they get back up? And we don't know if they can because we haven't seen it. Yeah. It, it, there's a difference between having an explosive play and an explosive drive once, but if you can do that two or three times, that's the difference. And if you're down 14 nothing, I don't know if they can come back quickly to get that game back in touch. You know, I, I just – I don't know. That, that's just how I feel. I, and it might just me – looking like the fool and like I did with LSU. They just haven't been tested yet. And maybe they really are just that good that even the best tests that they get, they just dominate. Yeah. Um, but right now I just, I think Ohio state's the better team. I've said this all year round. I thought it was going to be Ohio state and Alabama at the end of the day, Georgia beat and did better than Alabama. I still think Alabama is a top five team in the nation, but Georgia proved me wrong and they finished out on top. Ohio State, they lost one game. And you know what? They finished out the season four and one, last five, put themselves back in contention for the playoff. And. If they if they keep it close, they got a shot, and I I think they'll keep it close. So part of part of me wants them to keep it close, um, you know, just for the fact there because I want to see you know a great you know ball game, but I like I said you know when we first started talking about this, I think go one of two ways, and I honestly think it's going to go in the route of you know, how when Georgia played Tennessee earlier this year, Georgia just completely dominated. And I I think they come out and they do the same. Um, And I think, you know, Georgia maybe gets out to a two, three score lead, you know, early off um, in the ball game. And and Ohio State's just kind of struggling um, to get back into it, you know, around halftime and everything else. I've, I've got Georgia in this one doubling up Ohio State, 48 to 24. Um, and I, I, it's, it's going to set up for a really good title game either way. However, um, either one of these games finishes um, with whoever moves on. Um, I, yes, I do hope Ohio State plays a more competitive ball game, but I, I think at the end of the day, I think Georgia is going to be the, the stronger team. Um, than what Ohio State has shown through different portions of the season. Um, you know, Georgia, yes, Georgia's played down to opponents as well this year, 
Um, you look at some of the times when, where they've played. Um, but then when they come down to the big games that have truly mattered, they've shown up, they've played out, they've balled out, um, and they put points on the board when it mattered. And I, I think they do the same here um, this weekend in, in the Peach Bowl, um, which sets up with my prediction – I think it's a Michigan-Georgia national title game, and you're going to Michigan-Ohio State title game. And I think, I think, just going off the top of my head, Coach, if that does happen, that would be the first time in college football playoff history where we did not have a team from the SEC in the title game. I think you're right. Uh, cause let's go Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and I think that's it. It's just been those three for the last yeah, decade, so, really. No, oh no, I am wrong. I am wrong. The very first championship. Oh, because it was uh, Clemson Notre Dame, wasn't it? No, no, the very first championship game was Ohio State and Oregon. Hmm, I forget about that. Yeah, so Ohio State beat Bama in the Sugar Bowl 42-35 in 2015, um, and Oregon beats Florida State 59-20. to um, So this would be the first time since, you know, 2015 that we would have, well, who, you know. Uh, who did Notre Dame lose to? Did they make it to the championship or did they just make it to the So Notre Dame made playoffs. it to the playoffs in 2021 and lost in the Rose Bowl to Bama 31-14. to um, They also okay. made it to the uh, Cotton Bowl in 2019 against Clemson and lost 30-3. to um, So you had, you know, two years – 2019 and 2021 when Notre Dame made it and each time they absolutely just crapped the bed. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why their coach is at LSU now. Yes. So, but yeah, and then right. look, looking at this too, there's only been one overtime game in mm -hmm. college football championship. And that was the 2018 playoff game or championship game, Bama and Georgia. You look at the Rose Bowl that year as well. Georgia and Oklahoma went into double overtime. So there's only been two overtime games in the college football playoff history so far. That's nuts. Yes, yeah, so I mean this this will be this will be an interesting interesting uh, weekend definitely in, well, in the CFP. Yeah, and th I mean even think about like the NFL like literally did not have a Super Bowl in in overtime until like three years ago. Yeah, like that's nuts. Out of how many Super Bowls, fifty something, they just finally had one go to the overtime. Which, okay, I have to say this because this makes no freaking sense for professional football to have overtime that ends in a tie when amateurs have been figuring out how to settle in overtime. If the Super Bowl goes to overtime, 
it ends in a tie. Or are they just going to keep playing it? No. So in, in the NFL, the way overtime works in the playoffs is it will continue to go to however many overtime periods they need to do until someone is the winner. Why don't you do that for the stinking regular season? Like, that's never made sense to me. So, and now remember this year, Coach, too. With the NFL, starting this year in the playoffs, both teams will get a chance to possess the ball to score. Um, So, essentially, the coin toss won't determine the winner. So, I mean, if, say, the Bills and Chiefs, meet in the playoffs again this year, like they probably will. And it goes into overtime and the Kansas city wins the coin toss like they did last year and goes down, scores a touchdown. The bills have a shot. Bills have a chance to, you know, match that touchdown this starting this year. Which makes sense. Like I, I can understand that rule, but it's not. And I just, I don't understand why there's a difference between regular season and playoffs. Like, Oh yeah. That that's always been my like issue with the NFL of we're professionals but we we settle for ties but college is over here going to seven overtimes to find out who's the freaking champion for a six and six team now I'm I'm still disappointed in how college has changed theirs up within the past year or so I do not like the when you start the third overtime, it's just two point conversions. I don't like that. Um, and I don't like then. I, I think it should be back how it was when we had, what was it? The, it was Texas A&M. And I think what it was LSU that seven or eight overtime game a few years ago, like 25. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was an absolutely ridiculous game, but I mean, that's, let them continue to play, you know, don't, I I love seeing overtime games in college football that go seven, eight, you know, however many overtime periods we have to do. Just, just, I I don't like the, Oh, here's, here's two point conversions now starting with the third overtime period. Yeah. It's kind of like penalty kicks with soccer. It is. And you know, when we, I was watching the, um, you know, Arkansas, Kansas game last night. That that's kind of how I described it to my wife because she was she's just like, Oh, Arkansas scored, so the game's over, right? I'm just like, No, no, it's not. It Kansas now has a chance to score. He's just like, Well, that's stupid. I said, Yeah, it kinda is, but you you got I was like, it's like penalty kicks in soccer. She's just like, Well, that's stupid. And I said I said, True, but each team now yeah. has a chance. So I I, I think uh, who was I think it was Bob Stoops who kind of pointed out like give the ball like on the forty uh, defense is forty or on the fifty that way you're not starting in field goal range. On a, yeah, but now they've changed it so much where I think it starts on the twenty or the ten and then it automatically goes to freaking two points. So yeah. I kind of like the old way of just 25-yard line. And, you know, if you don't get it in the first three plays, you got to settle for the field goal. And it makes it a little different because if you're the first team up and you can't score and you got to go for three points, you better hope your defense is dang good. 
or yeah. you're going to lose it on a touchdown and you lose by three. One, you know, one thing I would like to see too, just for the hell of it, is for the if they were to really do something crazy for overtime, is either starting overtime or once it gets to a certain overtime period, put that ball at like the thirty-eight between the thirty-eight and forty-five yard line or whatever, and bring out the kickers and let the kickers kick for the win. Just and you just have a battle between the kickers, and then it really I, becomes, it really becomes a mental game on the kickers. Then because we already know how much of a mental game it is on a kicker, and you know me and kickers, I don't like them. And listen, if we start doing that, there's going to be some homicides in college towns. <laughs> there is, but it's going to give these kickers some responsibility then, and make them actually you know, produce in these games because you look at some of them, they do, they are not clutch. They cannot kick, they cannot kick, you know, when it comes down to it. So this is where they actually have to start practicing instead of just sitting on their butts during practice, you know, spinning the ball and everything else. Yeah, no, I, I, I get your point. It would be fun. It would be fun to see, you know, and hell, I mean, or we could just go out and instead of actually playing the game in overtime, let's just go out and Rochambeau it and whoever wins rock, paper, scissors wins the game. True. You can always do that. So, but that's neither here or there. Um, yeah, no. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm I'm excited for this weekend in college football. We've got we've got some really good games, um, chance for some good matchups. But uh, you know what? I'm even more excited for coach. What's that? I'm excited to hear from our sponsor. Hey, I like our sponsor. So do I. I Let's hear. From, I'm so glad that their system is so easy. Me too. So let's hear from Anchor and just how easy it is to start your own podcast or even just to listen to us as well. All right, Coach, it's that easy. All you have to do is download the Anchor app from the Play Store or the App Store, whichever one. You know, we've talked about it before. Apples, oranges, bananas, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, Timon and Pumbaa, um, you know, it's that easy. You just got to download the app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Or you can even just listen to podcasts through the app or through the website. Um, and a huge you know, thing that Anchor does as well is if you're starting your own podcast, it breaks down through analytics, where your listeners are, the demographics of them, age ranges, stuff like that. Um, shows you how many listeners you have per episode and everything. Um, It allows you to be able to spread it throughout any platform that you have, Um, whether it's Spotify, Apple, you know, Twitter, Reddit, you know, wherever you can post a podcast, Anchor makes it that easy um, for you to be able to do that. Easy, simple, and connects to everything. It's perfect. It's kind of like Coach K would say, it's, uh, it's synergy at its finest. I haven't heard that in a while. 
You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, uh, let's get into some nitty gritty coach. Um, Week 16 in the NFL. My goodness. I mean, where, where do we even start? Um, oh, let's just start with Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. All right. You want to go there? No, so we've been looking for that one. We have. I mean, can I just say I, I told you so? No, you did. You, you did, and I. I thought they would at least let him finish out the season at least. Um, if if they weren't so terribly embarrassed on Christmas Day by the Rams, I think he would have finished out the season. But when you lose a ball game fifty-one to fourteen, you you gotta go. I hey, I agree. I mean, that was a game that. It was, it was a tough game. I watched part of it uh, when I could. The Rams yeah. look – I mean, the Rams don't even look that great. That's that's the sad part. And the, the Rams are missing key pieces as well. They're missing Cup. They're missing Stafford. They were without Aaron Donald. And they have, you know, Baker Mayfield at quarterback. And Baker looked – I mean, Baker looked pretty decent. Um, Baker's getting into the playbook finally. It's his third week in the system, and he was finally able to see where his reach should be and everything else. So, I mean, you got to give props to Baker. Um, yeah, you know, and it just – I thought Denver's defense would be a little better than what it is. Um, and, and we know that if you don't have a good offense, your defense eventually is going to implode and wear out. Um we see it happen all the time, but I, you, I mean, I know they lost uh, Williams, IR with the knee injury, so their running back troubles, you know, got worse. Um, Corlin Sutlin, Sutlin, I think it's hurt every other week almost. Same thing with Judy. Judy hasn't been able to stay healthy his, you know, since he's been in the NFL, really. Um, so taking two dynamic players, three dynamic players off the field hurts. But, I mean, Russ has just not looked the same. No. And so I don't know if he needs to uh, – I don't know, maybe call Brady's guy and have him work with him over the summer, just getting him reset. Um, But he just – he does not look the same. They need to – Sean McVay, I know, is – not Sean McVay. um, Sean Payton. Payton, yes. He has been, you know, linked to possibly taking that job. He's been recruited. I think it would be a very interesting position because he reminds me a little bit of Drew Brees in the sense of his athleticism at quarterback. Um, 
kind of that same style with the defense. Um, so I, I think that could be a really good matchup. I would love to see him come to Dallas instead, but I don't think I, you guys are going to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Well, and here's the thing. I, I think we might. I, I don't know. That or at least get rid of our offense coordinator. Um, but Dan Quinn, let's say McCarthy does leave and Dan Quinn could maybe get the head coaching job for the Cowboys or he can maybe step in at Denver and be the next uh, head coach at Denver. I know he was up for a couple jobs last year. Um, Detroit, I think Detroit was a place that they talked about him possibly, but they still had their coach. Um, who was the other? I'm trying to think of who the other team was that he was up for. So, so he was linked last year um, during the coaching carousel cycle. He was linked to Jacksonville. Um, he had, I think was also linked, um, with Houston. Um, and I, there was, I believe it was also Chicago. He was being linked with. Okay. That Chicago was the one I was thinking of. So, which I don't think any of those are really kind of good fits for him. Um, I think Denver would be a great fit with that defense. I, I really do. I think that would be a good system for him. Um, and I, it's a long shot. It's a possibility. I know there's people that aren't happy right now, um, but I, I think he has at least one more year. It's Cleve King, Kingsbury at Arizona. I Dome think style. I, I really feel like they are the West Coast version of Atlanta a little bit. Power, powerful offense about average run game and a mediocre defense with the talent to be elite. I think you got to get, you got to get rid of Kyler if you're Arizona, if you want to be able to do. I don't think they're going to get rid of Kyler. They put too much money into him. It's it's a terrible, it was a terrible decision. Well, at this point before the contract, he had proven that he was worth it. He stayed, I mean, for the most part, he stayed healthy. I think he's had one or two injuries, but nothing severe. Not, nothing like James Conner or J.J. Watt or half their defense. So, I I mean, yeah, your side, his size worries you, but he was also an MLB drafted player. So he knows how to slide and protect himself. He has a big arm. We've seen him throw the ball really well deep. He just – I think the one-year college ball hurts him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing with Mac Jones. Mac Jones, yeah, he was at Alabama for three or four years, but he only had one season of playing. It was a shorter season. Yeah, he had 40 touchdowns, but he also had Najee Harris and uh, Smith at wide receiver. So they had an explosive offense with a 
best defense in the nation that year. So you took a above average, above average quarterback and made him look at, you know, probably a top five talent. Um, and so I think that's also the trouble you're seeing with him is the one year at collegiate ball. And so now he's thrown in at new England with one of the toughest coaches to kind of play for. So you're kind of seeing him struggle a little bit. I think it also helps if you have a true offense coordinator as your offense coordinator and not a defense coordinator. Yeah. That's kind of, that's something that happens at the high school level, not the college level. And not the the professional level. level. Yeah. But anyways, so I, like I said, I think it's a long shot, but it is a possibility. Um, I know there's been a lot of rumors that maybe, you know, they'll go get Lincoln Riley because he's the former coach of Murray. Um, great offensive mind. You know, the more successful version of Cliff Kingsbury, basically. Um, so we'll see. But I think Peyton would be a good – good coach for Denver or um, Dan would be a good good coach for Denver. Yeah. No, I I agree there. Um, there's, it's It really makes me laugh too. I don't know if you've seen the rumors out there or not, um, but people are also going, well, Peyton Manning's also linked to the Broncos head coaching vacancy. Pey- Peyton's not going to get into coaching. Just stop it right now. You will not see Peyton Manning be on the sideline as a coach for any team ever. No, not even for his kids. So yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I, I think, I mean, did you see the comments Hackett made? I, I think it was kind of a joke, but he was like, "How do you coach a guy that has more bathrooms than he does touch um, passing touchdowns?" Yeah. And like to me right there, that just shows your maturity as a head coach of the NFL. Like you're not ready for that position. You were thrown into it because it was just a voided spot that needed to be filled. Um, now, if you're Bill Belichick and you make those comments, I, Bill's probably not the best example, but if you're. <laughs> Let's say you're, um, you know, Sean McVay, and you make those comments about Stafford. It can kind of come off as like a joking thing because you know how McVay's kind of like that a little bit with his attitude and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for a guy that's never won, who's struggling to put on put an offense into the end zone at any point, it just it kind of showed his maturity and his readiness to be a coach. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, no, so Hackett, he becomes the third coach this season to get fired um, with uh, Matt Rule in Carolina and then Frank Wright in um, Indianapolis. So third coach this season and then becomes just the fifth coach in NFL history to not make it through his first season with the team. And this is now, 
two years in a row that a coach has been fired before the end of the season because last year we had Urban Meyer. All right, coach. So moving on now, um, the Packers, they kept their playoff hopes alive. Um, while yet again, Tua Tungavailoa is sidelined with the concussion again. And it was another miss by the Dolphins medical staff and the eyes in the sky as well. Who's supposed to spot, you know, potential concussions. Um, third time this season, this has happened now for Tua. Yeah, it's, it's sad. Um, and I, I kind of saw the play where they, they think, you know, it was the play that happened um, where he kind of got tackled while throwing the ball and then he turns and falls on the back of his head. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of see a, it. I'm like, why did you rotate? Like if you just fall a, down, catch yourself with your arm, you probably don't get concussed. Yeah. And it's a bang, bang play, but the way, like you said, if, if you don't try and rotate your body turn or anything else, it probably would have been better. But you know, the way his head bounces, bounces off that turf there in Miami, it's. Yeah. Ugh. Now has both his concussions happened in Miami? Uh, so you had Miami and then Cincinnati and now Miami. Okay. So two out of the three. Okay, I was going to say, I wonder if it's something with the turf and, like, the turf is, I don't know. Well, it, it's, his impact it, just uh, it's, bounce or something like that. But Miami's one of the few, you know, that actually uses a natural grass playing surface. Um, so, you know, should have a little bit more give there. Um, but, yeah. I, I that's think that's interesting because it must be just him then. And because we don't really see, because, you know, natural grass has more give. And so even when you fall, there's not a whole lot of bounce, really. Yeah. You know, maybe if it's wet or something, you, you get a little bounce because of the water impact or something. But that's, I don't know, that's interesting. So, yeah, I, I think I, for the best, he needs to sit out for the rest of the year, honestly. I, I mean, I know that exactly. sucks for Miami when they're in the playoff hunt. Um, but just for his safety, he he needs to sit out. Yeah, he needs to be shut down the rest of the year um, and just get into the offseason, get into, you know – getting some training and some rehabbing for your brain. Um, Cause my God, you know, three concussions in a, in a season, at least three, we don't know if there may have been more, um, you know, so far, you know, um, but you, you got to look at the rest of this game. Um, taking two out of the picture one, you you got to look at it. I, I think Tua kind of cost Miami the game with, you know, down the stretch when he was making the throws, he was trying to force it um, when Green Bay was coming up with those interceptions. 
But Green Bay also, you know, they did a great job offensively. Rodgers was able to get things going with the young receiving core. Um, And they, the Packers, they got stuff to fall their right way um, for them this weekend. They needed four games to go in their favor, which happened. And then they needed to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. When they got into uh, that game Sunday against Miami, or going into the weekend, actually, I think they had like a 5 or 6% chance of making the playoffs. Going into the game Sunday, it was then 31%. And then exiting that game after the victory, they're now it was between like 37 and 42% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, I, that's, that's ridiculous. And on a, I'm just going to be honest. If the Packers make the playoffs, it's going to be the same thing, even if they're the first seed or the last seed. They're going to choke and they're going to lose. Now, I think this weekend their playoff hopes are crushed when they lose to Minnesota. Um, I, I, and I just gave away one of my predictions, but who cares? That's okay. Just join on the Viking band train. Yeah. Uh, they, so, yeah. But hey, good right now. if the Packers lose, that bodes well then for the Lions because the Lions need the Packers to lose. Um, and, you know, the Lions are still in the playoff hunt as well after getting embarrassed by the Panthers. And I did you even expect that to happen? No. And literally, like, where did this come from? Yeah, I, I think this this happened because the Panthers are like, Holy crap, we can still win our division. And all we so here's the craziest thing about this coach is the Panthers control their own destiny here. All they have to do is win out and they win the NFC South. That's all the Panthers have to do. That's crazy. They don't have any and or situations or anything else. It is strictly up to the Panthers. And what they do. So if they just win out because the rest of their games they have are division games against the Bucks and then the Saints. If they just win, they win the NFC South. Yeah, I, they just after firing their coach, after firing their coach in the you know halfway point of the season, trading for Baker Mayfield at the beginning of the season, then cutting him. You know, and going through a rotation of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, you know, you name it. And then also trading away Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers could potentially still win this. One, that just shows you how terrible the NFC South is this year. Well, I think that's part of it. And two, they started running the ball more. It's just come on. That's so weird. So, okay. Sorry about that. No. Um, um, yeah. So the Panthers, I mean, they started running the ball more this year. Once they started the coach, they went through the quarterback struggles. They started running the ball more. They got rid of Christian McCaffrey, their best athlete. And the passing game kind of opened up for them. And their running back just had a hundred yard. Uh, what did he, did he just have a hundred yard game or something like that? 
Yeah. Um, and he's had, I think he had two touchdowns or something. I can't remember. But, I mean, he had one of the better performances of the week or, and of the year for a lot of running backs this year. Other than Nick Chubb, or, um, you know, who who was uh, Nick Chubb's had some great weekends, and then oh, um, Joe Mixon in Cincinnati when he went off that weekend for what was that five touchdowns? Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous there. Um, so yeah, Panthers they surprised the Lions. Um, they control their own path to the playoffs, and then the Lions. You know, they still got some work that needs to be done. Um, they need the help to – they need to win out. Um, but then they also need um, Washington and uh, New York to lose out the rest of the season. Probably need um, Green Bay to lose out the rest of the season as well. Um, and that should then get the Lions into the playoffs, which – Oh, please let me be right um, and let the Lions make the playoffs because I would love to see uh, that prediction come true as well. Yeah, that's crazy that they still got a shot. Um, And you know what? They could be that surprise team that makes the playoffs and maybe makes that first round matchup a tough one and not an easy win. Um, Maybe they get an upset win or – they make it a fourth fourth quarter battle with the talent they have at uh, at wide receiver. You know, so looking at this Lions team here, Coach, and you want to look at, you know, a playoff team from history and kind of how this matches up late in the season, um, the type of team, the type of stuff that needs to happen and everything else. Can you think of maybe a team I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of that, that made a wild card and made some noise? Um, what I know the New York Giants did because they won the Super Bowl. What, and, yes, that is exactly the team I'm thinking of, Coach. This okay. Lions team has so many similarities to that 07 Giants team. You look at roster, the way the roster's built – um, the defense, the, you know, and then just the way stuff has happened in the season and with what they need to have happen as well now at the end of the season as well, there's a lot of similarities here. Um, you know, big difference. Giants were led by Tom Coughlin versus Dan Campbell. But, you know, Coughlin and Campbell, two nitty-gritty guys, though. Um, yeah. I mean, they're both um... – Defensive-minded type guys, run the ball, uh, so, play-action type guys. Um, I think Detroit has a better I, – I, they have younger talent, and I think they mm-hmm. have a more – they have more weapons at receiver than the Giants did at the time. Yes. So, but – Still a lot of similarities, and I think if the Lions make this make the playoffs, look, they could potentially make some noise. I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just saying it now. If the Lions do make the playoffs, that is one team I do not want to face because they're going to be hungry. They're going to want to prove themselves 
And it's like Dan Campbell says, we're coming for your kneecaps. We're going to take one bite and then we're going to take a bite out of the other. And we're just going to keep gnawing your kneecaps off. Hey, that's okay. You, you want I, I'm glad that these quotes of his are finally coming into play. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're relevant in the playoff hunt and they keep fighting and that's what his players are doing. They're kind of, embodying his attitude of just keep fighting, win the play, and move forward. Yep. So. so. Now, you know who's not moving forward, though, is Derek Carr. Um, could you say it's probably safe to say that his time in Las Vegas and a Raiders uniform is probably done with? I think it's a possibility um, – the crazy thing is the Raiders have a shot to make the playoffs. Now it's a very slim shot because they need about 20 things to happen uh-huh. to, to do it. But um, I, I think that is a possibility. You know, what? what's the plan for the Raiders now? Are you – are you kind of just seeing what talent you have at quarterback so you can maybe lose these next two games and get a more favorable draft pick? Um, oh, yeah, because, you know, Jarrett Stidham is very, very talented. talented. Well, you know, that's what they they were saying. <laughs> we we want to see what talent we got, um, which I thought was very asinine. Because you should kind of already know what talent you have. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to look at their thing right now. So they're six and nine. So they're, let's see. So at this moment, they are. So they're probably a fifth round. They're probably a fifth pick right now, I would say. Because you have the Texans, Colts, Browns are tied with them, and the Broncos are in front of them. So they've got – so, yeah, they're they're probably a fourth or fifth pick right now. Um, Not depending on how these next two games go, they might – jump up and go above the Browns and Browns maybe win a game. Um, Which maybe you can trade Derek Carr. Um, You know, maybe he could be a Steelers guy. I know the Colts are desperate for a quarterback. Uh I don't know if the Texans would look at trading for him at all. I'm trying to think. The Colts, Steelers. Um, I don't. I wouldn't want to go to the Patriots. There's. I don't see any talent at wide receiver for the Patriots. No. The Dolphins might be desperate, depending on Tua's health, that you might go there. And the Jets, I'd stay away from the Jets as long as possible because that is just a place where careers die. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay out of New York. Um, I don't think Derek Carr could get it there. Um, 
Look, it's you kind of look at it. And it's kind of sad to see, you know, if his time is done in, in you know a Raiders uniform. Um, he'll definitely go down as probably one of the all-time greats for the Raiders um, with what he's done in that uniform. Um, you know, just in the way of statistics and everything else. Um, still has a great career ahead of him. He's still a young quarterback. Um, good veteran presence, though. Um, you just you you look at the teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks, and you, you said it. You've got Houston. You've got Indianapolis. Um, potentially Miami, Tennessee, um, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen in Denver. Um, you know, they've 230 or $260 million tied up in Russell Wilson. Um, there, you know, what, what do they decide to do? Um, a lot of ifs, ands, and what could, what could potentially happen, um, you know, going, going into the, off season, and this is going to be a major quarterback carousel. That you know, when we get down into it, it's going to be interesting to talk about because you're going to have guys on there like Derek Carr, Tom Brady. Um, Brady's come out and said, you know, he's he's not going to retire this year. He's going to keep playing. He has he has nothing to retire now for. Exactly. I mean, you're single, so So, there's nothing for you to retire for. Um, And when he does retire, he has the TV gig with Fox that he's already signed a lifetime contract for. But they're willing to wait for him. And that's okay, because I like Greg Olson a hell of a lot better than Tom Brady. Greg Olson is doing an amazing job, and I I love because he explains stuff so well and it's it kind of catches you off guard because he's not a quarterback yes and so i think and he even explains the defensive side as well um, a little bit and so yeah i'm he he is turning into one of my favorite him and romo um you know i was like troy a little bit but yeah he he is definitely doing really well because i I watched him a little bit with XFL um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, even when he was playing, and I, I I thought he did really well. He, I think he over-explained and kind of stepped on some toes a little bit, but he's got better at that with just having one partner instead of three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he does a phenomenal job. No, but it's it's nice that uh you know when you get a guy that's you know not a quarterback like you said. Um, into that broadcast booth, Greg Olson, um, Charles Davis is another really good one um, on the, in the CBS booth. Um, they just provide that different aspect. It's nice when you get mm-hmm. like his, the, the defensive guys. One guy that I don't think should be in the booth at all, Mark Schlereth for Fox. I'm sorry, you're terrible. That's why you are one of the lowest ranked guys and get the you know crap games um, and get regional coverage as well. But um, I'll have to look him up. I, his name doesn't sound familiar. Oh, which you maybe re- that's why I don't remember, recognize it. You'll remember Mark Schlereth once you see him because he was on ESPN, um, NFL Live, and everything with Trey Wingo. Um, used to be a offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos as well. 
Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Yep. Yeah, so, big guy. Yep. So, kind of reminds you of a, a little bit the way he looks and everything, kind of like Coach Smith. Yeah, he just doesn't have the personality of Coach Smith. Yeah, no, no, he doesn't. Um, but, yeah, no, so week 16, interesting. Um, interesting one for sure. Um, you know, and there's still a lot of things we talk about, but we're now down into the final two weeks of the season. It's championship time in fantasy football. And it's time for teams to figure out what they're doing in the playoffs is for the playoffs too. Um, and this is where we're going to get into our predictions here, coach. Um, every single one of these games will have playoff implications, um, whether it's someone, you know, needing to clinch, someone needing to tie up a spot or something like that, or, you know, potential number one overall seating as well um, for a conference. And so let's kick it off with a team that controls their own destiny with the Panthers and the Buccaneers. Um, you know, we talked about the Panthers just a little bit ago um, and how they control their own destiny and what needs to happen. I think they continue their streak and they beat the Buccaneers 27, 23 in Tampa. And then they're just one game win, one win away from taking that NFC South title. Yeah, I think the Panthers have a great ability to win this game. Um, but I'm going to side on the favor of the Buccaneers this week. Uh, the Buccaneers are kind of that team where you know they can do it. It's just, are they going to finally click? Um, and so I'm going to give it to them this week and say they win 31-28. All right. Next game, Vikings and Packers. Packers, they need to win this ball game to stay in playoff you know, contention, but the Vikings, my goodness, Kirk Cousins is doing phenomenal things. It's sad to say he's not being really considered for MVP when he should, but you look at that MVP race as well. Patrick Mahomes is doing things, um, you know, that only Patrick Mahomes can do. He needs to average, I think, 330 or 40 yards these next two games to set the all-time season record for passing yards in a season. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, that, if that doesn't get you MVP right there, I don't, I don't know what doesn't. But Kirk Cousins, he's been having himself a hell of a season as well and what he's done for these Vikings. Um, not only Justin Jefferson, they brought in TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's been doing great. Um, and mm. I think the Vikings, they pull off the victory in Lambeau as well, 34-28 over the Packers. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a similar score here, Vikings 35, Packers 27. Uh, Packers offense is finally kind of clicking a little bit, making some stuff happen. Um, but I think the Vikings are just a better team right now, and I'm still pulling for them to win this division which I think they will. All right. We go over to the AFC North, a great rivalry that's always, you know, shown us some great games. Um, likely to have uh, Mitchell Trubisky starting again for the Steelers, um, while Tyler Snoop Huntley is going to be starting again for the Ravens. Um 
I've got the Steelers edging them out, though, in this one. 17 to 16. They shock the Ravens. Yeah, I I could kind of see the Steelers pulling this upset. Um, you know, the Steelers aren't bad. They're they're still developing. They're young. Um, and that's kind of the scary thing. They have a lot of potential, and potential can be the worst, worst thing for you at times. Because um, it's kind of like that, just that feeling of expectation of that you're going to be great or you're going to be really good. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the Ravens can hold it off a little bit and they win 24 to 17. Um, the Steelers, um, they have to win these next two games or at least win one and tie one to stay at 500 or better or this will be the first season Mike Tomlin has ever had a below 500 team. Yep. Which is absolutely crazy to say. Yeah. I'm, and kudos to him. That that just shows you how great of a coach he is with the best of the talent or the worst of the talent. Mm-hmm. Injuries, whatever. Antonio Brown. Always, yeah. Like he managed that circus of Brown and Bell. Juju together. He so okay. So you know, look at it. He had Juju, Bell, and Antonio all at the same time. And Big Ben. Yeah, and Big Ben. You know, who was out there? And didn't win know. a Super Bowl. Yeah. Even take Juju out of there. The, he still had the three other ones who are big names in the Steelers franchise and still never won a Super Bowl with them. Never even won an AFC championship with them. Mm-hmm. So, but I think more of that is just on some other things, but yeah, he, no, Tomlin is a great coach. Um, he's, he's almost kind of turning to maybe this generation's Belichick he just hasn't won the rings, the rings to say so. Um, yeah, no, I, I can feel that. Yeah, you know, he's just the old gritty type coach that gets the job done, doesn't take excuses, uh, doesn't make much. up excuses, and just goes out there and performs. So, yeah. but yeah, I, th- I think the Ravens are able to hold it off at home and win this by seven. All right. Next, we go down to the AFC South. Um, we've got the Jaguars at the Texans. Texans, they have played some great ball games the last three weeks of the season. Um, got the victory last week over the Titans and, you know, have really put a shock into, into that division. Um, and the Jaguars, they're playing some great ball um, with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson at the helm. And I, I, the Texans could put up a big fight here, um, but I think the Jaguars outlast 26 to 18. Um, and then it comes down to week 18. All the Jaguars have to do then is win. And they're in the playoffs as the AFC South champs. Yeah. Kudos to the Texans for winning last week. Um, big surprise win there. If they, you know, if they beat the Titans, the Titans, 
if the Titans win and they don't beat them, uh, the Titans are in first right now in that division. Um, but the Titans were able to get the upset. I don't think Vrabel's on the hot seat. Um, I think coming in, I think, I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall with Tannehill that it was going to come to an end sooner or later. And so I think that's why they drafted Malik Willis. Um, and so as we see, like right now they're playing um, Malik Willis at quarterback against the Cowboys tonight. Um, so a lot of similarities. Oh, Willis, I, it was Dobbs that got the start. Was it Dobbs? Yeah, Dobbs. I thought I just saw a notification that Willis went into play. So maybe Dobbs got the start, but Willis might have came into play. Um, which I kind of wish they would just stick with Willis, let him play, and let him learn and get better. Um, but I, I, I think Vrabel kind of saw the writing that Tannehill kind of hit his peak. They were going to ride it out for one more year, and maybe that's why they brought in Willis. Um, so no, to answer that question that we had in our, um, show notes, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, I think there's the Texans just caught him, you know, but yeah. I go ahead. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. And, but I, I think the Jags, um, I think they just win this one by 10, 38, 28. All right. I like it. All right. That sets us up for our Monday night matchup. This is going to be a key pivotal matchup in the AFC playoff standings. The Bengals still have a chance to win. I mean, still have a chance to be the number one overall seed right now. The bills control it um, as the number one overall seed and they get the, you know, first round by and home field advantage in the playoffs. Um, but Kansas City is also in the mix in this as well. Um, mm-hmm. Here's what has to happen. So if the Bills win, you know, Bills went out, they get the number one seed. If the Bills lose and Kansas City wins out, then Kansas City gets the number one seed. However, if the Bills lose and Kansas City loses one more time and the Bengals win out, then the Bengals will get the number one overall seed for the head-to-head against the Bills and the Chiefs. And so then the That's, Bills, the Bills would then be your two seed, and Kansas City would drop down to your three seed. That's nuts. So that's how this plays out in the AFC right now between the top three spots. Um, right now, currently as it sits, it's Buffalo, Kansas City, um, Cincinnati, um, but it could be any combination of those three right there. Kind of all depends on what happens. Uh, Sets up for a huge, huge game Monday night. And I, I, I love that this game is Monday night because it's going to be a great game. Probably one of the best Monday night games we we could potentially have in a while. Um, probably since the, you know, Chiefs-Rams shootout, um, you know, what, four years ago? Um, so three or four years ago. So excited to see what will happen here. Um I'm pulling for the Bengals in this one, though. I need the Bengals to win. I need Kansas City to win that out. I need the Bills to lose at least one more game. 
And I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are just going to be too much for that Bills defense. And I think the Bills, you know, I think they have some struggles on offense. Josh Allen, he's trying to do too much. Um, You know, he's got right now the highest turnover, you know, ratio among quarterbacks, you know, over the past several weeks. Um, And I – I've got to go the Bengals 41 to 32 in this ball game. Uh, There's just too much on the line. The bang. If this was maybe at home for Buffalo, then I think it could be the other way, but with it being in Cincinnati, I think this just bodes too well for the Bengals. Um, And they, they get the job done. I, I like it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals win. I mean, the Bengals have been hitting it just like last year. The Bengals started hitting at the right time and caught fire. Um, They're kind of doing that again. Uh, To look at the AFC North really quick, the Bengals and the Ravens have clinched a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. But – if the Ravens win out and the Bengals lose one game, the Ravens could win that division and now the Bengals drop to the wild card. Yeah. Or drop to uh, drop to the wild the, card. Yeah. Um so they're the Bengals are playing for a lot right now. And um just to win out for them at least solidifies the division win and gets them a top four ranking or a top three ranking. Now, if they went out and, like you said, some stuff happens, they can get the number one spot. But, yeah, just for just to win the division, they have to win out. Um, but I, I see all the problems with the Bills lately, um, but I'm going to ride them, and I'm going to go Bills win this thing with a two-point conversion, a 32, Bengals 31. The ball didn't cross the goal line, Coach. Didn't cross. It's not a good two-point conversion. Hey, we've seen it happen before. Replay can't be – can't confirm nor deny due to the obstacles in front of the ball. Oh, it's 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 going to be a great game, that's for sure. Um and it's going to pro- – I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the nation turns out for this one and actually watches and tunes in. Um, kind of sad we don't have a Manning cast for this one because I would love to see Payne and Eli, um, you know, talk this game. But we have to listen yeah, this, to it. This is an offensive game that they want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. and like, um, That's just frustrating. It is. It is. So no Manning cast, um, but you've got the Bills and Bengals. Um, it'll be a fun one, that's for sure. So week 17, um, those predictions are in the book. We'll get those posted on the Twitter page. Remember, give us a follow um, at Sports Trenches on Twitter. Uh, every single day right now, you can expect a tweet from us, multiple tweets probably, um, with the bowl game predictions as, you know, we're still trying to get through these 42 bowl games that there are this season, um, getting these predictions out to you and tagging every single bowl game and the teams that are playing. 
Um, and then look for us on, you know, the weekend to have our NFL picks posted. And then obviously just watch out the rest of the week as well, because we jump on there and we're, we're going to post some stupid things, some stupid comments or, you know, some thoughts of ours that, you know, some may not like, but who cares? It's our Twitter page. We're going to post it. And that's what it's there for because, you know, we're two bearded guys that will say whatever we want to say when it comes down to football. No, that's absolutely true. Um, We love to give our opinion and we do. if you don't like it, that's okay. Uh, just share your opinion with us. Exactly. We, we want to know agree you. Agree to disagree or agree to agree. Yeah. We want to know your opinion. Um, but yeah, definitely give us a follow um, at Sports Trenches. Um, continue to interact with us. Um, share the podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you um, well, I mean, those are the only three platforms we're on, but, uh, you know, just continue to share it wherever you do share. Um, so, I mean, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, tw- uh, Instagram, Reddit, um, gosh, who's your mama, daddy, blog, majama? I, I don't know. It's That's probably a thing. If, if you think about it, that, that's probably a thing. Um but yeah, just continue to share us out there and uh, we'll continue to interact. Coach, any final thoughts before we get out of here for week 17? No, I think that's it. Um, just keep following along. Um, I've looked into a couple uh, merchandise things that we can do possibly. Um, I got to talk to somebody about maybe seeing – once we talk about it, um, maybe see if we can connect it to our website or maybe completely just redoing our website and um, getting that set up um, so we can have some merchandise if y'all want to buy something um, and support us anywhere possible. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely uh, get that going and rolling in the books. Other than that, um, you know, we will be back uh, next year, Coach. We won't talk again until next year. How sad, you know, that I won't see or even talk to you for another year. It's going to be sad, but it'll be good because we'll have a lot of games to fix our emotions. We will. We will. A lot of games between this year and next year. Oh, I just love yearly puns. They're so much fun. And, you know, <laughs> Coach, what I also love – are my puns for episode titles because episode 27 he just couldn't hack it is in the books <laughs> <laughs>